I'm Jesse Thorne. NPR t-shirts, totes, travel packs, mugs, canteens, pet products, and stuffed animals are just waiting to be checked off your holiday shopping list at shop.npr.org. And one other thing, podcast listeners, if you've been enjoying Bullseye and you want to keep it going, the best way to do that is to throw a little support to your local NPR station. That support allows us to keep doing our thing. Go to stations.npr.org, find your local station, donate what you can, and tell them Bullseye sent you. And thank you so much to those of you who've already done it. Again, that's stations.npr.org, and tell them Bullseye sent you. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's easy when the holidays roll around to put a nice sepia tone on that time of year. You think back to your childhood holidays and the bad stuff that happened, the disappointing gifts, family fights. Maybe it all kind of gets washed out with that warm, loving glow. Maybe your memory of Christmas's past are a bit more like Andy Richter's. The ones that I really remember, uh, my stepfather had a plumbing business, so we had some uh, Christmases that were just an orgy of consumerism, and then a couple that were, you know, and then the next year it would be sort of like, well, Santa's had has it rough this year, I guess. North Pole wasn't getting any shipments. Oh. It's Bullseye. Coming up, I'll talk to Andy Richter about his new Christmas special, Andy Richter's Home for the Holidays, which is out this week on CISO. Plus, he'll confirm what you've always suspected, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It ain't all fun and games. And so many of the jokes are like, the punchline is... Like, well, I have hope and excitement. Oh, yeah? <laughs> then I'll talk with Jane Lynch, the comedian and actress from Glee and Best in Show and more and more and more. She has a new Christmas album just came out. She likes the holiday plenty now. But back when she was a kid, Jane Lynch did not play around. I used to love it as a kid. I had this thing about wanting to get the Christmas spirit when I was a kid, and I used to dim the lights and turn on the Christmas tree and turn on the music and sit there and wait for it to come, and then, you know, it wouldn't come. Plus, holiday advice from the creators of My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And the Pop Rocket crew and I will settle once and for all one of the most divisive questions of the holiday season. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Also... Is it appropriate to post your opinion of whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie on Facebook every year? That's all coming up on the Bullseye Holiday Special. Let's go. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. You probably know Andy Richter as the sidekick to Conan O'Brien. Or maybe from his acting work. He's on Arrested Development. He's in Madagascar, a bunch of other things. He was actually in an Olsen Twins movie once. Now Andy's starring in a new TV special. It's called Andy Richter's Home for the Holidays. It just premiered on the streaming service, CISO. It's an irreverent kind of grotesque take on the holidays. It features appearances from Upright Citizens Brigade co-founder Matt Besser, Lauren Lapkus, Eddie Pepitone, and more. Here's a scene from the show. Matt Besser plays Bjork, who's just stopped in for a surprise visit. Happy holidays. Hello. 
I understand that the Icelandic people have different Christmas mythology and traditions than we do here in the United States. It is very true, Auntie. We we always dream of a green Christmas because it's white all year round. Oh. <laughs> it sure sounds like a terrible place. <laughs> no, this is a terrible place. Oh. I also understand that in Iceland, the little drummer boy is seen in a different light than we do here. Yes, you enjoy the little drummer boy. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's so cute. No, he's not. He's a cheapskate. <laughs> yes, what you call a cheapskate in your country, we call a little drummer boy. If someone doesn't buy a gift, you're like, oh, little drummer boy. Andy Richter, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Uh, it's taken me long enough. What's my problem? You've been, you were on, You. we talked when you, when Conan moved to TBS. You were oh, on that's right. But that was a million years ago before you moved before into I these palatial. I had my own office. That's right. That was when we were in a sweaty bedroom <laughs> yes. somewhere. <laughs> now we're in this sweaty murder box. Yeah, yeah. Um, the portable studio in that's which we right. record the show now. Are you a Christmas lover? I am. I am. I really do love it. And I am a, a pretty, pretty devout agnostic. So, uh, you know, I'm one of those that just is, I don't care what's it, what it's about. I just think hanging lights on your house is great. I think getting a contact high from kids is great. I think setting aside a time of year that's kind of magical if you live in a snowy place because... The snowiness is still new and magical enough. It's not February. You know, it's not like it's not like when you get a when you get an ice storm in February where it's not so romantic. An ice storm on December 23rd, it can be deadly and and but it can but it still feels like oh, there's a transformative force in the universe that turned our whole world into a frosted mini-wheat. Uh, <laughs> I like that you're willing to forgive a couple of deaths eh, for the majesty of Christmas. Come on, old people, probably. Right. Froze to death, there's worse ways to go. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be euphoric. I didn't say deaths. You said no, deaths. No, you said it could be deadly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I said could. I, it could be not deadly, too. I, I left that possibility open. Did your family get along at, at Christmas when you were a kid? Mostly. They, they were very up and down because of uh, dysfunction and dissolution and alcoholism and fighting, you know, and just marriages breaking up and things like that that, that sort of threw a wrench into the works. And also, too, Christmas is um, – they were very up and down depending on the economy as my stepfather – my parents divorced when I was four. So I don't even really have a lot of recollections of Christmases prior to that that I, that, that I can really be sure are actual memories and not manufactured ones based on photographs right. or home movies. The ones that I really remember, uh, my stepfather had a plumbing business. So we had some uh, Christmases that were just – an orgy of consumerism and then a couple that were quite, you know and then the next year it would be sort of like well Santa's had has it rough this year I guess North Pole wasn't getting any shipments this year so <laughs> one of the great things about Christmas as an adult is that you have so much more agency and you can create your own family. Yes. You can choose what it is that 
you want to celebrate and honor. <laughs> yes. Well, after getting past, after getting past, well, I don't, you know. Maybe it, after 30 or so. Well, and, and also ha- after getting past kind of uh, informing the people that think there's an obligatory kind of like, well, you got to be here. You got to do this. And you kind of think, no, I've built my own family and, and we have a different set of rules. And it's still hard to disappoint people. Yeah. I mean, I'm 50 and I, and it's still hard for me to disappoint some people about. But I just always hope that they know that, like, no, I love you, but I just kind of we're not going to be there for that thing or we're, you know. It's a pain in the ass to get on a plane in the last, you know, in Christmas week. And so maybe we'll see in January, that kind of thing. And it's, it's, uh, you know, but I also, too, I I live in Los Angeles because it's where, you know, it's uh, the particular kind of ore that I mine. Uh, The the, the veins in the earth are much richer here than anywhere else. But I also live here because um, because I I need some distance. I need distance, and not not just from family or friends or history or a geography. I I I you know I I need distance in my in my everyday life from you know I'm I'm I've always been like in college when you went into a, co- a classroom and got to sit wherever you wanted. You know before. If I would be the one that even if people were sort of clustered into one part, I'd I'd sit separate. I'd be a satellite to the rest. And I've always just kind of been that way. When now when the Conan show travels, I say, where's everybody staying? What hotels? And usually there's kind of the crew hotel is it's a and it's nice. It's a nice hotel. But then there's the really nice hotel that sort of the dignitaries would stay in. And that would be where I. But I, I always say, nah, I'll stay like, I'll I'll pick a third option. I'll I'll Google for five minutes and find a third option, because I just, when I get off the clock, I need some sense of separation and autonomy. And it's not it's not part and parcel of any one situation. It's part and parcel of every situation in my life. I just. You know, get your claws off of me. It's always been sort of a an undercurrent to me. Like, I need some room to breathe. Look, the bell just rang. It's time for me to go and be away from you. Let's talk some more about Christmas. What Christmas things on television or in movies did you love as a kid? I was not a kid, but it still is my favorite. And actually, my daughter and I just watched it for about the 30th time. Just two nights ago, because we were home, uh, just the two of us, and it's Pee Wee Herman's Christmas special. Oh yeah, I love it so much. Is the best, the best. I could, I will watch it another hundred times in my lifetime, because it is so joyful, it is so wonderful, so weird, so perfect. But now that's one of my favorites. I still do love all the Rankin Bass ones. I feel like they used to hold my attention. It's much harder for them to hold our children's attention because our children's attention span has been so chopped down that they kind of 
they need constant action. I tried to I tried to watch uh, the Peanuts holiday special. Yeah. Um, uh, and the the Christmas Charlie the Christmas Brown Christmas one, yeah. yeah and it's beautiful yes it is very boring very boring and a bummer yeah a bummer I mean it's really it's genuinely beautiful and that's a very rare quality in children's entertainment and yes. I feel as though I should give it full credit for that yes uh, it is also boring yes, yes it is it is. <laughs> I mean, it, it may well be worth it. Again, mm-hmm. I just really want to be clear. I know that I'm. This is a childhood icon of. I think it might be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Even just for the beautiful, beautiful music. But yes, but yes, it is astonishing that when there was no other choices on television, you could be that boring and yes. retain an audience of children. Yeah. Well, and you know, and the Rankin Bass ones are that way too. Like, well, there's just lots of shots of people going for in all children's entertainment that we accepted as as entertaining. Just lots of shots of people going from one place to another, which you know they <laughs> yes. they, they cut all that out now. I just was watching. There's so many shots in the Peanuts one of just like a totally static screen where six characters are not moving at all. Yeah. One character's feet are moving slightly and he's sliding across the screen. Yeah, yeah. And the shot lasts for 25 seconds. Right, right. And they also, too, it's it's little chunks of what are were obviously four-panel bits. You know, they're just lifted jokes from the thing. And so many of the jokes are like the punchline is... <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I have I have hope and excitement. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Charles Schultz, uh, there we would not have peanuts if there had been Prozac in <laughs> Charles Schultz's life. There just wouldn't be. I I want to play some of uh Andy Richter, my guest's uh holiday special for CISO. Yes. And the show is basically you, Andy, hosting a family Christmas party. It's shot like a like a live sitcom. Yeah, um, on a stage, and it's really just a, a parade of dysfunctional and grotesque characters. Yes. Essentially, it was yeah. Matt Besser from the UCB. Uh, we actually tried to get this going last year. It's ba- you know it's basically a variety show, uh, and then and me being the you know it being my Christmas special is just sort of the container that it's being held in. John Daly plays a character that he's done before, Sappity Tappity, the the English. In previous incarnations, he's rollerbladed. He's a he's a he's a living sentient tree. Yeah. Well, I actually was going to play Sappity Tappity. Oh, okay. I don't know what NPR listeners will make of this, but <laughs> um, yeah, is uh, John Daly plays him very very funny comedian, um, and he's this character is a drunk pine tree. Yes, a drunk English English pine tree pine tree yes. uh, who loves to sing, and in this case, is singing. A, a holiday song of a of a kind. Yes. Oh, say, is that a piano? Well, it's not my dead wife, that's for sure. Hit <laughs> it, man. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me twelve whiskey sours, eleven snifters of brandy, ten scotch and sodas, nine. Shots of he always, he always got that. We kept saying, no, no, that is on five. Five golden. 
and he kept doing it at different points. You know, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if that was so much a conscious comedic choice as it was just John Daly not remembering where that like nine sounds like five, so he thought maybe you know, I don't know. But yeah, and and the visual too is because he is a tree. Uh, he drinks liquor by pouring it on his feet, so on his roots. So he's pouring booze on his feet the entire time. On his roots, I should say. It's very stupid. Oh, the whole thing is really stupid. I think there's. <laughs> I think we must have set a record for the most <laughs> jokes in a Christmas special. Uh, <laughs> this show really is a grotesque. I mean, like we're ta- we were talking about the Pee Wee Holiday Special. Yes, uh, which I also really love. Um, and the Pee Wee Holiday Special remains, despite Pee Wee's anger as a character and the general kind of postmodern 1989-ness of that special, Yes, um, it remains a tribute to Christmas. Yes. There's almost no love or fondness in your Christmas <laughs> outside of your warm on-camera presence yes. that you've made your stock and trade low these past 25 years. Yes. It is just a parade of grotesquery. Yes, yes, I th- it's it's what, what I would call a counterpoint. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is not for children. This is not this is not meant for children. I mean, unless you you want to damage your children, then I, you know, which they're yours. You can do what you want with them. Um, no, this is this is. This is meant to be more kind of a showcase of of what one might expect to see at the Upright Citizens Brigade. How do you think your kids' Christmas is different from your Christmas? Well, intact family uh-huh. uh, is number one. Uh, but less less extended family. There's no church. And like like most people, that was one of the few days we went to church. Uh, I don't think that there's any kind of diminished quality to it the continuity that they've had i i, I just I and mean, it's not anybody's fault or anything but it's really something to have uh parents that are still i mean my wife and i have been married for 22 years now and and uh that's i'm 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 very glad of that and i and i'm very glad that my kids kind of get to enjoy the just the intrinsic benefits of that, the kind of the just the, the the feeling that it gives them. Being married for twenty two years is it's it's work, and it's it's certainly not a, a you know a walk through the park. But it'd be one thing if it was twenty two years of two people who were sick of each other, but it's not. It's twenty two people, twenty two years of people who still love each other very much and are still very much partners in all aspects of their life. That makes a Christmas merrier. We'll finish up my conversation with Andy Richter after a short break. He'll tell me about celebrating Christmas with his wife and kids and how he does everything he can to make sure that the holidays count. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Finding new podcasts isn't hard, but finding the right new podcasts can be. That's why Pop Culture Happy Hour teamed up with Lauren Ober from The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts, to tell you about some of the best episodes of 2016. We've got highlights from veteran shows, both big and small, and we've got the scoop on some of the best newcomers of the year. 
Find our great big 2016 crossover episode at npr.org slash podcasts and the NPR One app. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Tushy. Wiping with dry toilet paper has been the norm in America since the 1890s. Tushy believes our bathrooms are ready for a cleaner, healthier, and greener change. Tushy is a sleek bidet that attaches to any standard toilet and is designed to spray your nether regions completely clean and be better for the environment than wiping. It takes just 10 minutes to install yourself. Shop bidets for modern humans at hellotushy.com slash bullseye or use the discount code bullseye for 10% off a Tushy bidet. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Andy Richter. His special, Andy Richter's Home for the Holidays, is out now on CISO. A quick warning to our listeners with kids. In this next segment, Andy is going to talk about talking with his kids about Santa Claus. One of the things about Christmas is that it is a celebration of continuity. Yes. It's that every year, there's every year the seasons change, every year there's Christmas. Uh Uh-huh. In some ways, it's a celebration of things like being married for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that my now, especially now, like my my well, actually my son just turned sixteen today. Uh, happy birthday, William. Um, he's sixteen. My daughter's eleven. With the passage of time, there is now you know they're not little kids anymore. And actually, my daughter just just this year. Gave up Santa Claus. I mean, it was forced to because she was she held on to a belief in Santa Claus for a long time. I think stubbornly. I think kind of knew knew the jig was up, but still was like still pushed through. My daughter came to my wife, and this is when I was at work, uh, and and said she came up to her and said, "Mom, you're the tooth fairy, aren't you?" You're the one that puts the money under my pillow. And Sarah said that because she was looking her right in the eye, she couldn't lie to her, you know. And she also was, she she just couldn't lie to her when you look, you know. It, if you if you have a policy of not looking your children in the eye and lying to them, it's hard to break that policy. And she said, "Yeah, you're right, honey. I, I am the tooth fairy." And uh, she said. My daughter flipped out, went crazy, crying. Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. Crying and so upset and totally out of the blue. My wife threw my a reaction my wife was not expecting. Trying to calm her down and calm her down. And then she said, uh, <laughs> she said, she's crying and saying like what else has a you know a lie and i can't believe it i feel so stupid that i believe this and she said well daddy's not santa claus is he and my wife went no 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 santa's real santa's real (laughs) and so she told me this and and i came home and i knew about it and and my wife, you know, I got home and my wife, I saw my wife and she's like, oh, boy, wow, was that a shock that that. And my daughter came downstairs and she said to me, did you hear? I said, yeah, I heard. 
And then she said, I just, she said, I just am so upset by it. I didn't know it was, I didn't, I should have known. And then she said to me, she said, Daddy, are you Santa Claus? Is Santa Claus real? And there again, I was looking her in the eye. She's 10 years old. I said, yeah, honey, I'm Santa Claus. I said, well, Mommy and I, there's Santa, there isn't a Santa Claus. Oh, boy. Oh. Just awful. Just awful. And there again, she's like, I feel so stupid. I can't believe I believed it for so long. And kids, it's... Because I was also thinking, you know... Some jerk at school, some kid is gonna is gonna ruin it anyway, you know. And I just and like I said, I just couldn't lie to her. I just couldn't look her in the eye and lie to her. And she would, you know, she ended up being okay with it and kind of like later laughing about it. But you know, it was not easy to sort of, you know, disavow them of the notion of uh, uh, disavow her of the notion of magic. But all the reason the reason I bring it up is because it it is uh, the passage of time and the continuity is a wonderful thing about Christmas. But it is kind of it does put a container on it, like you it is it is a ticking off, you know. Like how many more Christmases do we have with my son as a resident in our house, and how many more Christmases do we have of toys under the tree you know when does it become you know just sweaters and iphones i mean it's already kind of gone that way well andy merry christmas yeah merry christmas everybody (laughs) (laughs) andy richter's new holiday special is on CISO. speaking of, of of Christmas and happiness. It's called Andy Richter Home for the Holidays. You can get CISO as a standalone streaming service or as an addition to Amazon.com's uh, Amazon Prime. Um, and uh, Andy, of course, is also every night on Conan on TBS, which is uh, one of the most fun and funny TV shows on television. Thank, Thank you, you, Andy. Thank you very much for having me. This was This was nice. <laughs> Children. 
It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. You know, Bullseye has a sister show, Pop Rocket. It is a pop culture panel discussion, and two of those panelists are here with me, uh, novelist and journalist Margaret Wappler. Hey, Margaret. Hi there. It's and good to be here. digital strategist Winter Mitchell. Hey, pal. Hello, hello. Okay, let's talk about Christmas movies, because this is the holiday, uh, this is the holiday special of Bullseye. First of all, the first question, I think, is what actually constitutes a holiday movie or a Christmas movie? Does it have to be set at Christmas time or does it have to be about Christmas time or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or your preferred winter holiday? <laughs> my aunt so, my aunt literally sends out cards that say happy solstice. Happy all of it. Yeah, that's some, that's some Oakland stuff. I think it has to either be set around Christmas or it has to be somehow about Christmas. One or the other. You think either way? Yeah. Winter, you must feel that way because one of one of your favorite Christmas movies you've written is Die Hard. <laughs> Listen, the whole concept of a holiday movie is it has to do with family, discord, acrimony, or harmony. And it has to be set, obviously, around the winter time season. So do you have to have like twinkling Christmas trees or can it just be snow on the ground? I like, well, Die Hard clearly doesn't have any snow on the ground. I, it To me, it was the synthesized. The reason why Die Hard is one of my choices. The reason why is because I've yet, I very rarely see a West Coast focused Christmas theme. And it was very much like we're on the West Coast. Christmas is happening but it's also sort of, you know, the yeah. way we do it. It's muted. We're it's never going to get snow on the ground. No, so we don't get that whole thing. No, we don't get that. We never I've never had that a Christmas like that. So I don't know anything about it. I did I watched Die Hard maybe a year or two ago. Okay. Um for the first time since I was maybe a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I had a great time. It really uh, holds up. It really is one of the strongest of its genre. You yes. know, that kind of classic 80s action film. It's fantastic. It is a really fun movie that moves well even 25 years later. I also have to say the one thing besides being a great holiday movie and sort of upending the genre altogether is that it's Bruce Willis's movie. It's also Alan Rickman's movie, but it's Bruce Willis's movie. I honestly feel like he empowered Arnold Schwarzenegger to start becoming a bit more of a caricature of himself because mm-hmm. it was like he was quippy and he was but he was dutiful and he knew his job and he had a focus and he was it was con- getting with his family. Now, Margaret, you have also sort of <laughs> uh, gone whole hog in the <laughs> category of alternative Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can't wait to see her picks. Well, Margaret... <laughs> I'm looking at a piece of paper that says that your favorite holiday movie is Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> you did not. The late period. Merry Christmas. There's nothing like a masked orgy to welcome in the holiday season. Oh, my God, Waffler. Gee, <laughs> another family discord scenario. This is another movie where it's all about getting back home to your wife. It's the same thing, in a sense, as Die Hard, where we have a couple who are... In Manhattan, and the movie starts out with them going to a Christmas party. And at the Christmas party, some things happen on, on both ends between Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise that, that puts their relationship into question yeah. and sends Tom Cruise on this psychosexual nightmare. And throughout the movie, 
Merry which Christmas. Is Christ- exactly, which is Christmas to me. Happy holidays. Throughout the movie, you see Christmas trees stuffed into just about every available corner. Yeah. In fact, like the red and green saturated tacky Christmas lights are, are often beaming down on the characters as they're going through things psychologically. And it's it's perfect use of Christmas in a sense because when you're not having a good Christmas there's nothing more alienating than all of that crap and yes. cheer around you. Let's talk about uh, classic traditional Christmas and holiday film fare. Sure. You guys both have offered us alternatives cynics choices <laughs> um, realist I prefer realist. Do you like to sit around and watch It's a Wonderful Life or uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special? Well, I will say that when I finally did sit down to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that's it, right. I actually was like, this is a really good movie. Yeah. I was taken with it. It's charming and it's deep. But I didn't expect that because I would just see like little snippets on TV and be like, this just looks boring and hackneyed. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. It's I think it. I think I have a, a TV VCR at my cabin where I'm going to be spending Christmas. And I do have it on VHS. I made sure to buy it. Good. Jesse, dive in. What about... Elf. I mean, Elf is a contemporary Christmas film that I think is really funny and really delivers. It's a real solid three, three and a half star movie with a Christmas theme (laughs) that you can watch. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a perfect film, but like, it's really enjoyable and it's very funny. It's definitely given him, I think, Will Ferrell, like a place in the Christmas, you know, pantheon. Pantheon. It's worked for him. Why he didn't merch off that, I don't know. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit from Elf. So in this scene, mm. Buddy the Elf, which is Will Ferrell's character, is uh, <laughs> working at a fake Santa's workshop in New York City in a big department store. It's his first day. He just met his boss, um, and, and his boss is announcing to all of the, the shoppers there that Santa's coming the next day. <gasps> wow. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Sign this for me. Make work your favorite is a line I completely <laughs> forgot. And I remember seeing it in the theater and just howling. Phase on love, man. Make work your favorite. <laughs> Okay, here's a question, because I, I don't want to leave on a positive note here. <laughs> we don't want to do that. No. We don't what know. are the classic Chris- Christmas entertainments that just don't work for you? I'm kind of done with everything. I've seen <laughs> I've seen everything like a hundred times. I grew up with traditional Christmases. And then as the matriarchs pass on, as the patriarchs pass on, my parents were never stoked about Christmas. I can remember like... Seven out of 18 of my first 18 Christmases being like totally on point and the rest being like, eh, yeah, it's, it's Christmas. Here you go. So there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> traditional stuff. I think the one that you can watch because you know all the words and it makes sense and it's easy and it's funny and it does its job, Home Alone. 
It's mm. just, it's just, it's Home Alone, and then a Christmas story. As if TNT and TBS will forever play those movies twenty four hours. Uh, I'd be fine with that on my our, deathbed. Our producer Kevin Ferguson took a bold and strong stand against a Christmas story. Well, I was just going to say that's the one that I would kick out of the canon. Are you crazy? I think you need to see it again. It's like now. It is kind of boring and like a little sexist in parts. It was 1940s. Like, I know. But you like... know that that movie was not made in the 1940s, no. though, right? Winter. <laughs> It's just set. I just love that he clearly is suffering from anxiety disorder, untreated. And the the absolute need and necessity to be cool and not bullied and have a gun seems like Christmas for a lot of us in this country. (laughs) I I just, I feel like it still works. Plus, uh, Darren McGavin, such a good dad. Such a great dad. Just kind of like the dad. When he gets the leg, that whole sequence with the <laughs> leg lamp, just so, oh, when it breaks, his heart is broken. Just like that felt like to me, they feel most realistic to my family. Most realistic. Because like when all hell breaks loose and after all, the, the turkey is just not going to work, Chinese restaurant ends up being the best thing ever. And then they actually see through his passion and give him the damn gun. You know what I mean? That's Winter Mitchell's true spirit of Christmas. (laughs) Get that shotgun. (laughs) Get it fast. Beg for it from everyone in town. The teacher, the Santa at the mall. (laughs) Let everyone know I need a gun. (laughs) ASAP for Christmas. Suddenly it does seem very American, doesn't it? (laughs) See? See? Winter Mitchell, Margaret Wappler, panelists on our sister show, Pop Rocket. Thank you so much for joining us with a few of your favorite and and a few of your least favorite holiday films. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And I imagine this conversation will probably be continued over on Pop Rocket, right? Yes, Say yes. 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 Yes, of course. Absolutely. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. So when I need advice and guidance in life, I always turn to my friends at the podcast, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. It's an advice show. It's hosted by three real-life brothers, Justin Travis and Griffin McElroy. And, you know, the holidays are a very fraught time for all of us. So I thought I would open things up to our listeners and theirs and uh, have them offer a little bit of holiday advice. Hi, McElroys. How are you? Good, Jesse. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for that enthusiastic holiday greeting, Griffin. I've had I'm 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 slopped on that nog, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't actually. What does that mean? I think I, I think that meant that I had drank a lot of eggnog and now I'm drunk at three PM on a Tuesday. Sloppy drunk too, not yeah, just drunk. Sloppy drunk like he really just, he, and he you knew we had this recording, Griffin. Yeah, it's my I, I I the problem is I love the flavor of it. And so I drink a lot of it and then I, I turn around and I'm slopped on the nog. Griffin, my biggest concern is that I do not believe there was alcohol in that nog. No, it's I'm lactose intolerant, so it goofs me up in a different way. <laughs> Let's get into the questions. Uh, here's one from Fumbling in Florida. I've had my current job for almost eight months. I work at a small office, and I'm generally seen as a very helpful and useful person. I've never had an office job like this before, and given that it's me and my two bosses, I'm not sure what the holiday gift-giving rules are here. Is it like Teacher Appreciation Day, and I give them a mug or a chocolate rose? Gift cards? Do I need to do anything at all? Help me. 
What should fumbling in Florida be giving uh, to his or her two bosses? Oh, this is awkward. Jesse, did you include this question because you're our boss at, at Max Fun and you would like us to get you something? <laughs> yes, a chocolate rose specifically. That will let you know that you uh, that we've chosen you to remain on the Bachelorette. <laughs> My first concern, frankly, is that fumbling in Florida was giving his or her teachers chocolate roses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. That's I got lot. them edible underpants. Is that okay? <laughs> I, it sounds like this, the arrangement is it's you and you have two bosses and that is everybody that works in the office. So the only thing I have to go on is you would get them presents like um, I give my dad presents, which is to say just a recent picture of myself and then uh, just a scan of a recent report card just to <laughs> let him know like I'm doing very good and I'm growing up good and strong. Yeah, I think you'd – okay. This is – the magic of the giving of gifts at the holiday season. I don't think you're obligated to give your bosses presents. I don't think it's a thing like that's going to come up in your yearly performance review or anything. And that means when you do do it, you can put the least amount of thought and effort into it and still make an impact. Like the fact that you did anything at all will seem like, oh, oh, I didn't expect a chocolate rose. Thank you so much. Could you bake something? You a baker? Hey, <laughs> are you listening? Can you talk back? question are you a baker because uh i think baking treats is always nice because it really comes from the heart it doesn't cost a lot but it really shows that you care what about if you put it in a holiday tin oh well that's that's really festive jesse thank you i think a holiday tin as jesse suggested uh perhaps a non-denominational one would be ideal perhaps a a nice winter scene something a, a thomas kincaid sort of inspired holiday tin or just an old butter cookie tin. Just, <laughs> sure, those are very useful. That shows you care about the environment, recycling. That's very on trend. Thank you, Travis. Here's something from Keeping It Christmassy in Canada. Settle the classic debate for me. Real tree or artificial? I have, I have very strong feelings on this because when I was a kid, I stepped on a pine needle and I didn't know it. And part of it became embedded in my foot and was there for <laughs> months. And yeah. became severely infected, and I had to go to the hospital. Travis is Travis is half sap now. I I am I do do a real tree every year, though I'm I have a few major issues with it. Number one, I have sort of customized my life so that it reflects my unique skill set, my uniquely limited skill set, and I don't I'm not put in situations a lot where I'm having to fake knowledge about something. But certainly evaluating trees at the tree store, when I have to look at several dozen trees and say, mm, no, good, 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 very good, that's going to flesh out nicely, I'm really unqualified to do that. And I, I usually just end up relying on my wife. Um, the other big issue that I have with it is uh, once the tree is on, my wife won't let me run any other errands to sort of double down on being out of the house and trying to knock two birds out with one stone. On our most recent excursion to pick up a tree, I had my heart set on some Long John Silvers, and my wife <laughs> told me that I was not allowed to go through the drive through at Long John Silvers with a tree on top of the car because, quote, it would be weird. And I really pressed her hard on this one because I really wanted to know what the crime was in just driving around with a tree on your roof and getting some delicious crispy fish. Uh, but she, she couldn't back it up, but she has very strong feelings about that. We'll continue our conversation with the crew from My Brother, My Brother and Me after a short break. Still coming up, what do you get for the person who literally does not want anything this year? It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. 
Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Mrs. Fields, who wants to help you delight your friends, family, and clients this holiday season. At MrsFields.com, it's easy to send handcrafted treats to anyone, anywhere. Choose from classic chocolate chip, hand-frosted buttercream cookies, or rich and flavorful bunt cakes, all baked fresh and packed with holiday cheer. To order, visit MrsFields.com and use the code NPR to save 20% at checkout. It also lets Mrs. Fields know you appreciate NPR, too. Here's something from Confused in Carson City. Is it okay to still get someone a present after they asked you not to? Should I hold off until their birthday or go through with it despite their protests? It it depends on how they said it. Mm-hmm. If they said it like this, like, no, 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 you don't, you don't have to, you don't, we don't have to get each other presents. Yes, you should get them a present. But if they were like, don't get me a present, I don't want it. I don't want to celebrate Christmas. I don't want to, pre-, then you shouldn't. Like, it all depends on how they said it. And why they don't want, why do you not want presents? <laughs> Nobody doesn't like getting things. It's excellent. It's truly excellent. It's one of the, it's one of the most excellent things in life is to get a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand why you don't want this. Yeah, it's beautiful that moment when you realize that it used to be theirs and now it's yours. <laughs> There's nothing better. It's like a little quickening every time. In, in my house right now, I have 619 things. I always have a running tally in my head of how many things I have. Somebody wants to, Christmas is a time when people roll up and they're like, "Here is a sum total like 36 new things." And I'm like, "What? This rules." <laughs> This is so great. I'm going to add this to the total, to the tally. And then when I die, I'll, I'll end up on the leaderboards somewhere. I'm imagining that leaderboard that Griffin was describing. In my mind, it's housed on a table version of Miss Pac-Man in a pupusa restaurant by where I grew up. Yeah, every time that you go to Griffin's house, you actually can't begin your visit until he makes you visit. Uh, he calls it the bobble wing, and it's just <laughs> shelves of bobbles and knickknacks that he's obtained over the, over the, that twelve months. It's sort of like a dragon's hoard. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's something from Wondering in Winnetka. For Christmas, I'm flying home to Rhode Island from Los Angeles to surprise my dad. The problem is he wants to mail me presents so we can open them over Skype together. How can I convince Ooh. my dad to not send me Christmas presents without letting him know something is up? That's a good one. I'm assuming he's not a bullseye listener because uh, the jig is up. <laughs> this is really you're going to have to get you're going to have to ship your your dad to <laughs> Los Angeles to los angeles you have to get your dad from rhode island to los angeles you guys fly past each other in the sky and then oops we did the thing that happens on tv sometimes where i came to your house you came to my house what well grab the presents that you sent me while you're there and then you fly home please i want to stay here though i'm going to stay here in rhode island though let me let me uh, let me pitch something this is what i would do you're gonna have to do an undercut surprise I want you to tell your dad that you are coming in, but you won't be able to come in till the new year. And so oh. you want him to just hold on to your presence. Oh. Right? So then he's holding on to your presence so you can open them together. That way he kind of like he knows why he's holding on to them. But boom, there you are, Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, Dad. I came early. That kind of idea. You could take it one step further and say that you're going to be in for Christmas, but you're not going to be able to visit him. 
You have a lot. And if you could just leave the presents on the porch. You'll I've got a lot of commitments, Dad. Uh, yeah. Go get them at your convenience. Why leave it at you won't be able to visit him? Why not kick it up to you don't care to visit him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm enjoying your company. I, I could, Dad. Uh-huh. I'm going to spend Christmas Day sitting in a hotel room just down the street from you. <laughs> I want you to know that. How difficult would it be to get your father on some sort of terror watch list so that any packages he attempts to send through the mail are immediately returned to sender. It would specifically have to be a male terrorist watch list, like a Unabomber list. Early Christmas present to your father, fake stamps. You say, hey, I got these novelty stamps for you. The from your favorite television show, uh, The Pretender. Remember with Jared? <laughs> you love that show. So I got you some Pretender stamps, and but they're legal, so go ahead and use those. Oops, a Daisy shipped right back to your dad, just in time. Well, Justin, Travis, Griffin, I think we're uh, we're all leaving this better people than we were on our way in, huh? I would argue that we saved Christmas. <laughs> Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me on the Bullseye Holiday Special. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Happy holidays. Travis Griffin and Justin McElroy, uh, known collectively as the McElroy Brothers, are the hosts of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, the smash hit podcast, and soon-to-be television show on the uh, streaming network CISO. It's Bullseye. When you watch Jane Lynch, you pretty much always know you're in for something really funny. She got famous for being amazingly hilarious in Glee. She was brilliant in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. She's always great in those Christopher Guest movies. She was a fancy dog trainer in Best in Show. She's in his newest one, Mascots, as well. But did you know that she can sing, too? For years, Jane has been singing original swing tunes and standards all over the country with a full band and everything, like a real cabaret act. Now, Jane and her band have recorded their first ever Christmas album. It's called A Swingin' Little Christmas. It's out now. Here's the title track. We're having a swingin' little party with all of our friends. We're hoping you dig the invitation, make a plan to attend. We're going to be singing jingle bells until the holidays end. A swingin' little Christmas time. We're gonna be wrapping up your present with a big shiny bow. You won't wanna miss a single minute, don't be late for the show. There's gonna be gingerbread and tigers and the band's gonna blow. Jane Lynch, welcome to the Bullseye Holiday Special. Thank it's great you. to see you. Oh, it's so great to see you too. Thanks. You're really singing your butt off on this record. Yeah, and I, as I'm listening to it, going, where did we breathe? I, we're performing that live now, going like this. <laughs> I like that you took your celebrity from Glee. Yeah, and I think the last time we spoke, the celebrity from Glee had just was just, just blossoming. Great. Yes, indeed, it had just it just pierced through the uh, ground. You had just gone from like twenty years as a working actor mm-hmm. to Angry. famous person, uh, completely exact by surprise. Bitter. Yes, exactly. And I'm glad I, I'm glad that you took your uh, your fame and financial security and decided to launch a cabaret act. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like yeah. it's clear that the whole time you were just like, if I can just get on stage and sing. Yeah, that's exactly the reason for the whole trajectory. Now I will do a cabaret show. 
<laughs> was it uh, was it precipitated by all, all the volume of singing that uh, was going on on Glee, or from being on Broadway? That was like one of the yeah, first probably, things you did. It's probably the Broadway thing. I mean, and the Glee thing too. Um, probably started it. But I, I've always loved singing. I've done um, been in sketch comedy shows since you know my my late twenties, and we always do a silly little musical number. And we were usually quite musically good, but it was funny. And then, of course, Annie as well, doing Annie on Broadway. I don't always enjoy watching uh, musical theater, mm-hmm. particularly. I have to admit, one of those. Okay, I'm not against it. I, I'm not against it. Good. I just don't. It it has to. It has to really work for it to work for me as an audience member. I get you. Yeah, but mm-hmm. if you said to me right now. Here's a part in a musical. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> late, I can't sing. I can't dance. But it is fun. It's so much fun. It, the Doing Annie was like I got bitten by the theater bug again. I hadn't been on stage in a very, very long time. And uh, I, I was up there with all these people and we all loved each other and we all had little, you know, inside jokes and we'd look at each other and ha ha ha. And we all hated the children. <laughs> it was really fun. We didn't hate the children. They were great kids. Um, that's kind of led – directly to uh, 54 Below, which is a cabaret space in New York, asking me if I wanted four nights to do my act, which I didn't have. Most Broadway people have an act. So I grabbed Kate Flannery, who was Meredith the Drunk in the office, and said, let's do a show. And it led to this thing, that record you just played. Kate Flannery does have an act. Kate Flannery is a great great Mm -hmm. singer, sings with a comedy group called The Lampshades. Mm -hmm. When you agreed to have a cabaret act, was it a daunting prospect? Yeah, it was like, what What am I doing? I don't know how to do this. And um, I knew, but it was something I wanted to do. There was something stronger inside of me screaming yes than the than the pretty loud voice saying no. So I said yes. And, of course, I, I called Kate right away. We've been singing on and off together for a long time. And um, uh, so we, we knew, you know, she's a legit singer. She's a legit. Yeah, she can really blow, yeah. Yeah, and she's a throwback. She can sing like the you know the '40s, '50s, and early '60s, which this Christmas album is basically a retro album of that period, and it's one of my favorite too. So, so I brought Kate along, and she, and then I hear people like cracking up as I'm singing this song, and I look back, and she is the shenanigans, <laughs> just and so thus was born kind of, kind of a, a, a heighten and explore of what was already our dynamic, which is kind of an Eve Arden, Kay Ballard kind of thing where Eve Arden is the tall like disapproving one and Kay Ballard's the loud you know wacky Italian even though Kate is Irish I mean one of the things about singing on stage and singing in general Mm -hmm. is that it requires shamelessness in a way that even comedy doesn't necessarily like you have to yes I see what you mean you can't sing on stage without putting all of yourself into it there's no holding back and if you are you they can tell yeah anybody can tell you can feel it um, yeah, you know, I remember that I saw a picture of myself and I was holding the mic and my eyes were closed and I was my head was back and I was like, wow, you really think you're a singer. It's really exposing. It's almost like dancing in a way, too. It's almost like you take all of your clothes off and you say, check this out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nude kind of a thing. Do you like Christmas music? I do, yeah. I haven't for a while, though. I will be perfectly honest. You, like, took a break from liking it? Yeah, as an adult. I used to love it as a kid. I had this thing about wanting to get the Christmas spirit when I was a kid, and I used to dim the lights and turn on the Christmas tree and turn on the music and sit there and wait for it to come, and then, you know, it wouldn't come. And so I kind of got turned off by it, and 
I think Christmas is, goes on far too long, says the woman who started pushing her album November 1st. <laughs> I think, I'm, still, I'm still impressed by this Christmas seance that you're holding. <laughs> like, it sounds like you're like, a, you're like Lenny Kravitz's producer and you're like trying yes, to get right. the studio ready for Lenny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turn on the lights. Let's burn some incense. I was trying to get the Christmas. Put spirit. some scarves on the lamps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What did you think Christmas was supposed to be that you weren't getting as a kid? This magical thing where you're filled with joy. It's what we chase when we have a beer, when we smoke a joint. Um, when I get my coffee in the morning, we're chasing that thing, you know, that place of bliss. You you grew up in the Midwest, right? I do. Yeah, Chicago. So it was it was like a snow. Like Chicago yeah. is sort of a Christmas place. It to is. Me. No one does Christmas like Chicago. I've been saying that in all the interviews lately. It but might just true. be. It might just be because I watch Home Alone a lot as a kid. That <laughs> I believe that. It is. But it's a beautiful. The city really does it up. And I'm from the suburbs, and we did it up too. What did you? Uh, think Christmas could be like what was the thing that you imagined that you were trying to achieve? Oh, it's it's the whole that's the thing when the Grinch's heart gets bigger, 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 and then almost explodes, or does it explode? I'm trying to remember. And it's what happens to um, Ebenezer Scrooge. Merry Christmas! You know, it's that thing where your heart just fills with joy, and there's nothing worse than December 26th when all the lights are still up. It didn't happen. The joy didn't happen. And as an adult, I just didn't even bother putting this stuff up. I was like, oh, this is crazy. So this is kind of my reentry as a sane adult individual into the beauty of this music and the beauty of what this season, which we should have, you know, 24-7. You know, once you get past the your hate of religion, um, there, there's just beautiful sentiment, you know. I don't think that's a universal condition. <laughs> I guess but... not. <laughs> I don't, and in fact, I don't have a hate. That was just for comedy purposes. Just um, I don't buy into it. <laughs> well, let's hear some more music from Jane Lynch's new Christmas album. Uh, let's hear Jingle Bells. I mean, that's a classic. <laughs> Did spending your summer with Christmas mm-hmm. change your feelings about Christmas this year? No, it didn't. It, it, well, I guess let, let's say how it did. Um, uh, it is something that um, can happen all year long because I got into the Christmas quote-unquote spirit in, over the summer doing this. And mainly because I love music so much. So is it Christmas spirit or is it music spirit? I don't know. But I was a very nice person while we were doing this. I was very happy and couldn't wait to get to the studio. And enjoyed the entire process. And then listening to this album, like the first time I got to hear it, after it went through all the processes of being mastered and and balanced or whatever those people do, um, I was so proud of it. I'm And pride isn't even the word because I don't even really kind of feel like I did anything. I feel like we all just had a beautiful intention and some skill. And, you know, the muse took over, truly. You know, you were, you were on the show... Years and years ago, um, like I don't something like six years ago or something like that, and um, right. at the time, uh, you had just become both a famous person and a famous <laughs> gay person. Mm-hmm. We talked about your coming out, which involved basically. 
people noticing that you had never been in the closet, yeah, right. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And um, I, I've just been curious, like, how do you feel about this f- five years of being a f- famous gay person with right. capital letters at the beginning of each word? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I feel like your celebrity, in a way, was part of a real turning point in the way that public culture I agree. Yeah. addresses uh, homosexuality, LGBTQ issues generally. Mm-hmm. You were one of the first people to become a legit famous person who wasn't required to have... The press conference? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Ellen really took one for the team. Yeah. You know, she... Um, it became a big deal. America loved her and then found out she was gay and and so she it was... she was obliged to I don't know if she want I know she didn't I mean I don't know this for a fact but I can't imagine she would have wanted to have that Ellen episode where I'm coming out um the the TV show and then that went away and she's now like became the face of American Express and has one of the the most popular daytime talk show perhaps the most popular I would imagine she is like a dynasty People friggin' love her. She makes she's making bed sheets now, and people are eating. They them love up. her as long as she does that dance at the beginning the of the begin- show. Dance in the beginning. I know a couple of people that worked on the show <laughs> when she stopped doing that dance for like four days, yeah. and it was it was cataclysmic. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And I think she probably got tired of it and wanted to move on. Yeah, and, she just America wanted to be a human being. Yeah. And I love watching. You know, I'll drive by uh, Warner Brothers sometimes, and you see the audience in line, and it's all Midwestern ladies who have flown out here to be in the audience of that show, excited as hell to dance with Ellen. And they're probably all maybe 10 years ago would have been like, ooh, lesbians. No, not at all anymore. They love her. So I was the beneficiary for sure because I don't don't know that I would have had the the courage. I had a lot of shame about my sexuality when I was younger. And if I thought that I was going to have to, like, say, yeah, I'm an actress, but I'm gay, oh, that would have scared the hell out of me. So, you know, this this path was kind of paved. Um, people like Rosie and they came through with a machete. And I just walked walked through the the, the jungle unmolested. <laughs> did um, – how much younger are we talking about? Did you have a lot of shame? I guess I'm wondering like um, – I guess I'm wondering if partly like the surprise that happened when you became uh, like a public person rather than just a working entertainer. Mm-hmm. Um it was like, well, I got to be the person I am because there's not another choice now. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of it. And also I, I felt safe. I felt safe in my own self about it. And I felt, you know, safe in the world. So I wasn't um, I wasn't concerned about hiding anything or or or, you know, standing up and, you know, having a press conference that probably nobody would attend. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Christmas. Do you have fond Christmas memories or are all your Christmas memories about failing to achieve the state of of Christmas? There are a lot of them about failing to achieve. Let's see. As I got older, um, you know, when I was living as an adult in Chicago and I would have to go back to, it just wasn't anything. It was a non-event. You know, I'd have to go back to the suburbs to have, and it was, I, I certainly didn't decorate my house or anything like that. I still don't. Um, I leave that to my sister who, like, creates a Christmas village <laughs> in her home. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't have that. But I, I must say I enjoy it, but just for those four or five days. And then, like I said, December 26th, 
it, I'm, I'm home and it's over and it's behind me. And I don't want to hear the music. And this is terrible. A person who just released a Christmas album. I don't want to hear it for more than like a week. Right. Uh, but maybe now it'll be different that I love this album so much. What was the composition of your family when you were a kid? Were your folks together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was your extended family around? Like, yeah, was oh, Christmas yeah. a time when everybody was there? Yes, I'll give you some great memories. When I was in high school, um, I have an older sister, a younger brother, and we were all in high school at the same time. Uh, and um, my parents loved to sing. My dad was a harmonizer, and my mom would do the melody, and we loved Christmas carols. And we used to have, for about four years there, we had a, an open house Christmas Eve party where all of my friends, my sister's friends, and my brother's, my brother and like two friends, he was a bit of a stoner, um, would come and um, to the house and my parents, all of my parents' friend and um, Andrea Climac would play the piano and we had a piano at our house and we would sing carols and we would drink and oh, it was so much fun. My my uh, my father's family would come, my mother's family would come and it would be just a huge open house. Those thing, Those nights were a blast. Are you prepared to uh, get in the holiday spirit like every year from here on out? Are we going to have an Amy Mann, Brian Setzer style <laughs> touring holiday show? Uh, yes, we are. We actually are, we have some shows booked for next year. We did Three Nights at the Nico where we performed the album and um, uh, just this past weekend in San Francisco and it was so fun. And now we're booked for San, uh, uh, Portland and Seattle for next next Christmas. Are you going to wear Christmas outfits? We kind of do. We kind of wear red and black. Yeah, we kind of do it. Kind of do it up. You can imagine Kate. You know, she's got this like taffeta, <laughs> bright red taffeta uh, dress from you know like the nineteen fifty fifty late fifties, and she looks great. And Tim wears his black tuxedo with bright red tie, and I just look like a lesbian in red. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found my style yet. They're so great with their style. I, I try. It's like, how, how do I how do I wear a suit and look retro? I guess I could look retro like a guy. So maybe I wear a skinny little tie. Well, there is one thing about the aesthetics of Christmas mm-hmm. that always makes me uncomfortable, which is that if you are living in this elegiac reverent of the past world, Mm -hmm. whether it's about 1955 or about Victorian times, I'd say those are probably the top two categories of... Yeah, I would say so, too. Invented Christmas memories. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Oh, the Victorian... Oh, I right. Thought you know, like Victorian yeah, Christmas or like, like, the, uh, or like Ozzy and, and Harriet stuff. Christmas. Okay. Right? Yes, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are things where... You are imagining them as a simpler and purer time, right? But they're also a darker and more hateful time. I mean, there wasn't a lot of. Uh, but black and white was simpler back then. Lesbian. Oh yeah, right. Lesbian, lesbian yeah, fashion oh, considerations in nineteen fifty four. Me to go back to derive. Now I don't always dress like a lesbian, but I, I won't wear a dress. So that if I'm going to do the whole uh, retro thing, I have to wear a dress. But I'm not going to. So, do I want to do it like in a drag, like it look like? Tim? I think you would look. I think you would look great in uh, in a tailored tuxedo, not I mean, a men, not a men's tuxedo, yeah. but uh, you know, they, you can alter a tuxedo for a woman's. Oh body. yeah, oh they make them. They make yeah, them. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'll go that route next. I time. think you look fantastic. Well, thank you. I mean, the other option. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, Santa suit. <laughs> I knew you were going there. As long as it's not in the primary uh, red. I don't like that color. I like it to have a little Cabernet in it or a little mm-hmm. low. Or just whatever plus reindeer horns. <laughs> exactly. That light. 
please kind of go on and off with the lights. Well, Jane Lynch, thank you so much for thank you so pleasure. much for taking the time to come to you on the show. I just uh, so love your work, and it's such a lovely album. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's go out on some more music from Jane Lynch's new Christmas album. Let's hear Winter's Never Cold When oh, You're there Around. You there you go. The air is cold. It's ten below. The driveway's buried under snow. But winter's never cold when you're around. Jane Lynch. Her album, A Swing and Little Christmas, is available wherever you buy music. You can find some videos of her performing songs alongside Kate Flannery and Tim Davis at janelynchchristmas.com. No need to bother with my mittens when you're near. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. He had help from Christian Duenas, production fellow at MaximumFun.org, is Kara Hart. Our senior producer at MaximumFun.org is Laura Swisher. Welcome to the team, Laura. All our interstitial music is provided to us by Dan Wally. Hey, here's a great Christmas present. Go to Bandcamp and search for his CD of music created for Bullseye. You can download it, pay what you want. Our theme music was recorded by the Go Team and provided to us by Light in the Attic Records and the band. Our thanks to both of them this holiday season. And remember, all of our past shows are free. Just go to MaximumFun.org or open up your favorite podcasting software. And I guess that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. And sleigh bells, and we're out. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.